Good day, everybody. My name is Dennis Curtis, and this is the Clean Soul Podcast. Today's podcast is titled, When in Trouble, I Will, and You Fill in the Blank. So we have to understand that there is going to be trouble in this life, and we can see it all around us. All around us, and some of us are in trouble right now, or we might be tested. Our faith is being tested. Remember, Jesus went into the desert and he was tempted by the enemy. And this word in the Greek can also be translated into English with the word test. Jesus was tested in the desert. And James 1.3 tells us that God is going to test our faith. It's just the way it is, and we need to be ready for it. Before I get any further, I want to tell you something that happened to me this week. As I was walking at noontime, it was warm here in New Mexico, and it was my lunchtime. I was walking out in the sunshine, and I was thinking about all the things that I had to do, you know, study for this and do this and and take care of business, all the little things. And then the Lord spoke to me very clearly. He said, it is finished. I heard it. It was from the Lord, from my spirit. And it actually brought me quite a bit of joy. I kind of giggled and I was so happy. It is finished. The work of God, the salvation of God has been provided to us and it is finished. When Jesus took that last little bit of wine vinegar just before he expired, he took the wine vinegar and he said, it is finished. The work of salvation is done. Hallelujah. What a great thing to know. So now all these burdens of this life and all the things that I want to do and the busyness, I slow down a little bit and remember it is finished. I am saved. I am filled with God's spirit. I will live with God forever through the cross of Christ, through the work that Jesus did on the cross. Wonderful thought. Back to the podcast now. When in trouble, I will, you fill in the blank. Will you go to a doctor? Will you go to a financial counselor or to your pastor? Maybe to your wife or your husband or a good friend. What will you do? Well, that's what this is all about. And I want to really make some good examples here as we go through the Bible. From the very beginning of time, the righteous people, God's people, are persecuted by those who are not walking with God, by those who are rejecting God's goodness. We can go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Abel and we have Cain. Cain uh, did not sacrifice to God appropriately. Abel did. Abel brought fat portions. That means it was a blood sacrifice for his sin. Cain was not willing to do that. Cain wanted to walk in his sin. He wanted to walk after the God of this world. And so he did. He hated his brother and he killed him. So the righteous are persecuted by the unrighteous. And this goes on and on. Let's look at another one. Noah. Noah was a righteous man. He found favor in the eyes of God. And the whole earth was wicked. People were living by the fleshly desires. They were living by unrighteousness and following after the God of this world. But Noah found favor in the eyes of God because he did what God asked him to do. Over a long period of time, Noah built the ark. And in building this ark, he was a preacher of righteousness. 
Everybody saw that he was doing this when it had never rained, when it had never flooded. But he said the floods are coming and people mocked him. People persecuted him. People worked against him. But Noah held on and did what was right. And in the long run, his righteousness paid off quite sweetly. Next, let's look at the Egyptians. Joseph brought the Israelites into Egypt to save them from a famine. But as the Israelites grew in number and in strength, the Egyptians became afraid of them and began to persecute them. The Egyptian army must have been quite a bit stronger than the Israelite people, and they enslaved them and made them slaves for over for about 400 years. They were persecuted by the people of this world because they were God's people. After uh, God had taken the Israelites out of Egypt and into the promised land, uh, through mostly Joshua's work, Joshua dies. And in Judges 2.11, listen to what God says about the Israelites who are in the promised land now. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals. So they turned from God to serve idols. They turned from goodness and righteousness to evil. And God would raise up foreign kings to come and fight against the Israelites in the land of Israel. And they would subdue them and they would subject them to slavery and to tribute. And then the Israelites would finally get a clue and say, oh my goodness, we've sinned against God. Let's turn back to God. And God would raise up for them judges like Ehud and Barak, um, Gideon, Samson, and so many more. God would raise up these judges to deliver them. Each time the Israelites backslid, they would be under the consequences of their sin, and evil kings and tribute and slavery would ensue. But then God would send somebody like Samson or Gideon to set them free. Let's push forward in time. We have the Philistines. We have Israel. God sets up a king, Saul, and David after him. And the Philistines would come after the people of God. The Philistines were idolaters. They were evil people, and they would fight against God's people. But David was righteous, and he would do what God asked him to do. And the Philistines and all of his other enemies were pushed back, and David enjoyed times of peace because he served the Lord. Finally, after David's son was king for a while, Israel was split in two. Division came because of sin. Israel went into idolatry. Judah stayed pretty um, faithful to the Lord. Not completely, but pretty faithful. So I want to focus on the king of Judea, Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a righteous king. He was a good man, and he did what the Lord wanted him to do. But let's look at his background here a little bit. His father was King Ahaz of Judah. King Ahaz was a desperately wicked man. He sacrificed to idols. And as we learn in the New Testament, behind an idol is a demon. And these are wicked spirits who want to draw us away from God. 
Ahaz was looking for spiritual help, and instead of going to the God, God Almighty, he went to demons. And he even went so far as to sacrifice his son as a burnt offering to the demons. Now, I'm sure that Hezekiah heard about this. He might have even seen it. And this might have uh, prompted Hezekiah not to follow after his father. That's what I think. But Ahaz bowed down to the king of Assyria. He was at war with another king, and he called out to the Assyrian king and said, Listen, I'll give you gold, and I need your help. So he bowed down to the king of Assyria. He gave the gold from God's temple to the Assyrian king. And then what is even worse, when Ahaz sent people to the Assyrian king, they came back with blueprints for the god, the idols that they worshipped in Assyria. And what Ahaz did, he built one of those idols and he put it in the temple of God. He moved the furniture of in God's temple, desecrating the temple, and then he put that idol inside of the temple of God. How desperately wicked was this king Ahaz? He was desperately wicked. And his son, at 25 years old, takes over the kingdom. Hezekiah rules in Judah for 29 years. Listen to what God says in 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 1 through 8 about Hezekiah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the asherah poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made, for up to that time the Israelites had been burning incense to it. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following God. He kept his commands, the commands the Lord had given Moses, and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he did. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. From watchtower to fortified city, he defeated the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory. So here we have Hezekiah. Though he was raised in a traumatic, evil place through his, you know, because of his father, he turned to God wholeheartedly. Hezekiah understood that the consequences of sin were great, and he decided to serve the Lord, and God was pleased with him. But trouble comes to Hezekiah also, just like trouble is going to come to all of us. Jesus actually promises that we are going to have trouble in this world, but we are to be confident in God. So 14 years of prosperity, Hezekiah comes to his first problem. The Assyrian king says, hey, you rebelled against me. I'm coming after you. Hezekiah makes his first mistake. He bows down to the king of Assyria. He says, oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, here's some gold, and I repent of what I did. But the Assyrian king was not happy. He was obviously an evil king, and he came to conquer Israel. God's people are always going to be under pressure from those who are not God's people because they're led by Satan. You see, God's people really show the image of, 
of God. With the Holy Spirit inside of us, we have the character of Christ. And we created in the image of God. Every time Satan looks at any man or any woman, he sees the, the image of God and he hates people. Satan has come to kill, steal, and destroy anything that God has done. So we have to be alert and we have to be prayerful to understand that the devil roams around like a a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. So first mistake, he bows down to the Assyrian king. Second mistake, Hezekiah actually goes to Egypt, similar to what his father had done years before. He Uh, Hezekiah goes to Egypt and says, hey, help me with the Assyrian king. Hezekiah sends gold and ambassadors to Egypt, but God is not happy with what Hezekiah does here. Isaiah was the prophet when Hezekiah was the king, and Isaiah 30, 1 through 3, tells us what God thinks about Hezekiah going to the king of Egypt, the pharaoh of Egypt, for help against the Assyrian king. Isaiah 31 through 3. Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance, but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin, who go down to Egypt without consulting me, who look for help to Pharaoh's protection, to Egypt's shade for refuge. But Pharaoh's protection will be to your shame. Egypt's shade will bring you disgrace. Hezekiah made a huge mistake here. He made two mistakes. One, bowing back down to the Assyrian king. Two, going to Egypt instead of to God for help. So finally, Hezekiah realizes as the Assyrian king comes upon him and he's in real trouble. The Assyrian king destroys part of Judah, and now Hezekiah is in great trouble. He wises up. He understands that bowing down to the Assyrian king didn't help him. Sending gold didn't help him. Sending gold to Egypt didn't help him. Ungodly alliances didn't help him. And these are the things that we are to learn about right here. Bowing down to the things of this world. Money, the love of money, which is the root of all kinds of evil, using money to gain things that we need instead of going to God first, ungodly alliances. God tells us not to be yoked together with unbelievers. That's not only in marriage, but that's also in business. If we take our finances and put our finances with the finances of other people who we know to be ungodly, and we go into business with them, this is an ungodly alliance and something that's very dangerous because the enemy has control over ungodly finances and God has control over our finances and they are not going to mix. So we're not uh, supposed to be unequally yoked. That means yoked with unbelievers. Finally, Hezekiah bows down to the Lord. He's in great trouble. He goes to the prophet Isaiah and says, look, we're in trouble. Pray for us. And later the Assyrian king sends to him a notice saying that he is going to destroy Israel. And uh, Hezekiah takes that notice and lays it before the Lord and then sends to Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah the prophet 
speaks right away and says, God is going to deliver you. You finally called out to God. Now God is going to deliver you. God shows up in a big way. As the Assyrian army is pressing down on Jerusalem, 185,000 Assyrian warriors are killed by God's angel in one night. The battle is over. This Syrian army retreats quickly because all these people are dead. All these warriors are dead overnight. And they realize that the God of Israel is a great God. But what about you and me, folks? What will I do when I'm in trouble? We have to learn from this Old Testament example. Jesus tells us in John 16, after telling them he is going to die and that he's going to rise again, and it's better that he goes away, he says, I have told you these things so that you will have peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So we're going to have trouble. But if we believe in Christ, if we know who Christ is and we know his word, we are going to have peace if, even in the midst of all this trouble. And there is trouble in this world. But do we have peace? What are we going to do when our faith is tested, like when Jesus went into the desert and was tempted by the enemy? Or as uh, James 1.3 tells us, that our faith will be tested What are we going to do when we have trouble, when we have testing? Will we turn to the Lord first and foremost? It doesn't mean that we can't go to a doctor or we can't go to a medicine cabinet or to a friend or to the Internet. But we have to understand God's ways are better and he needs to be our primary focus, the one we go to first and then we take his counsel and we do what he tells us to do. I hope that that has encouraged you to no matter what situation you're in, first go to God. First seek His counsel in prayer, in Bible study, and listen for His voice. You know, that's what faith is, hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit and then doing what God tells us to do. He may tell us to go to a financial class. He may tell us to go to a friend that we know is a strong believer and get advice from them. He may may tell us to go to a doctor, whatever God tells us to do. But first and foremost, we go to him for everything in our life. God is all powerful. He's provided for us in every way, and he will provide for us as we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, then he'll take care of all the other things that we need. Be open to the Lord. Be open to his voice. I encourage you to be reading your Bible, studying it often. This is the Clean Soul Podcast. I'm Dennis Curtis. Subscribe if my podcasts are helping you and tell other people about them if you feel they're advantageous to you.